The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. They brought the one who had once who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on his eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and worshipped him. The Gospel of the Lord. So, um, usually the priest in the homily, he speaks about what he has on his brain. (laughs) And uh, I just got back late last night from a mission trip down in southern Mexico with a bunch of NC State students. And uh, so that's what I have on my brain, is uh, this week-long uh, reality that I lived with, uh, with these students. And you know, we were down there on the border of Quintana Roo and Yucatan, and uh, we were kind of in this, uh, not kind of, we were in this Mayan village out in the jungle, and uh, we were building a home, and uh, we, we had an opportunity to, a lot of opportunities every day, to go out into people's homes and just do our best to talk with them about Jesus. You know, we had Mass every day. Um, you know, we'd organize little activities for the kids. We'd go visit them in their schools. Anyway, so there was a lot of things going on besides just, just, just building a home. But, uh, but one of the things that we did every day Every morning was we would gather. They had a little church there in the town. We'd gather in the church, and each morning one of the students would lead um, our morning prayer time. They would lead a, a morning reflection. So they would pick a gospel passage, and and then they would reflect upon it, and then they would just you know whatever other prayers they wanted to add, and then there was some time of silence. And you know this one of the awesome things was that every day. The silent time grew and grew. So like the first day, literally the morning prayer lasted five minutes. <laughs> and the last two days that we were there, it lasted half an hour. So we had about 20 minutes of just silence, just, just sitting there, you know, in the presence of our Lord. 
Um, and you could just see the students themselves as they were there, you know, working in the town and, and you know, learning from the people, living with the people, because um, we lived in the people's homes and just living with the people and just, just experiencing life there, um, you know, just how their own spirituality grew. And um, it was awesome, actually. One of the mornings, one of the, the students picked um, another miracle of our Lord where he healed a blind man. He took him outside of the village. And, uh, and she mentioned in her reflection, she said, you know, I think the reason Jesus took him outside the village was so that the first thing that he saw after he got healed was Jesus himself. You know, and I thought, wow, you know, I have read so many gospel reflections and commentaries on this gospel. And this was the first time that I'd ever heard somebody say so that the first thing he saw was Jesus himself. And, you know, and then another moment, uh, one of the girls, this is the last day, uh, she was sharing that um, she said, you know, it's funny, you know, I, I, I come down here and I'm being a missionary and I'm doing all these things. And, and she said, you know, it's amazing, like, you know, I don't speak the language, but, you know, she, it's amazing what I can do. And, uh, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the internal call to be a missionary at NC State. <laughs> I'm feeling an internal call to be a missionary at NC State. You know, and it's like, well, you know, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, she doesn't really know, but she says, well, I'm just going to go back and just be a light with my friends. And, you know, I don't know what it means, but whatever that means, I know that that's what God is, is asking me to do. And, you know, and this is, you know, this is the Lenten journey that our Lord has us on. Right? The Lenten journey is meant to change something in our life. Our Lord is inviting something in our life to be different. Something in our life is supposed to change as a result of our Lenten journey. Not just the sacrifice that we make, which is obviously a part of our Lenten journey, but something internal. Right? The external things that we do is meant to lead to some sort of internal change in our life. And, and obviously this Lenten journey is leading up to the ultimate passion, death, and well, ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The ultimate divine act of Jesus Christ in which his true divinity is ultimately revealed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know, when, uh, when I was reading the first reading here, you know, we have Samuel who has to go out and look for a new king. Right? At first he had anointed Saul as his king, and, and Saul was, you know, a man with long golden hair. He was a strong, powerful man, and Samuel was like, yeah, okay, this is the man. This is the man who's going to be the king of Israel. But you know, Saul, he didn't obey the commandments of God. He was worried about you know, what people thought about him and public opinion. And so he didn't remain faithful to what our Lord was asking him to do. And so our Lord sends Samuel out to go find another king. And probably for Samuel, you know, he's thinking, oh, goodness, you know, I've got to rethink this reality. You know, I just, you know, he probably thought, well, I've anointed the king and it's a done deal. And this is the king and then his son will become king. And, you know, like, you know, I've done my job. But our Lord is asking Samuel to go out and to find a new king. And as the sons of Jesse are presented to him, 
Right? He, each one that's presented to him, he thinks, well, this is the one. Right? This must be the one. But our Lord reminds Samuel, he says, man looks at the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. And so Samuel himself is having to do a lot of, a lot of sifting through the different people that are presented to him. And finally, after everybody has been presented to him, all the brothers, the sons of Jesse have been presented to him. Samuel says, well, isn't there, is there another one? And so, you know, so is David, who hadn't even been invited to the feast, who was out in the fields. And Jesse says, yeah, well, I've got one more son. He's out there tending the sheep. So Samuel says, call him. And he looks at him and he says, yes, this is the one. And he anoints David. And, you know, as we know, David became the greatest king of Israel, at least until the time of, of Christ. And so Samuel himself had to go through this, this rethinking process and understanding in a deeper way what our Lord was asking for the people of Israel. In our gospel today, we have the man who was born blind. And though I read the short version, sorry for those of you who are looking for the long version, I read the short version. But in the long version, right, the question is asked, Right. Whose fault is it that this man has been born blind? Right. Who's, it fault? Who's to blame for this reality? Right. As if every problem always has someone who's at fault. Right. But our Lord responds by saying and correcting his disciples, correcting the Pharisees. He says there's no one who's at fault. But this is so that the work of God can be manifested. So that the work of God can be manifested. And so this whole episode of the man who is blind from birth is another opportunity, a hidden opportunity for Jesus to reveal his true self. For Jesus to reveal his identity. You know, and for these Pharisees, for the disciples, right? This is a completely rethinking, having to rethink the reality, rethink who they think this person Jesus is. As Jesus is inviting them into a deeper reality of the gift of who he is. You know, it's not uh, by accident that the man is asked to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means to be sent. Right? To be sent, to be sent out. And so Jesus heals the man. And how does he do it? He does, he does it by spitting on the ground, which means he probably spit a lot. <laughs> he had to spit a lot to create enough mud to be able to put it on this guy's eyes. And so he's there. He's spitting on the ground. He creates enough mud. And there he puts it on, he puts it on the man's eyes. And he then asks him to go, to go wash. And, you know, and what is going on here? Well, this is a whole recreation. This, this all goes back to the story of Genesis. When our Lord creates the first man, when he creates Adam, he creates Adam out of the dust of the earth. And actually for the Jews, it wasn't just dust, even though that's what the book of Genesis says, but they actually, some of the other, the commentator, the Jewish commentators, also believe that our Lord with his, with his spittle, also created the clay, right, which is moist dust. He created the clay, and out of that clay, he formed the man. 
And so this is, this is a recreating moment where our Lord uses the clay, uses the dust, and he puts it on the man's eyes so that the man is then able to see. But what is Jesus' ultimate goal? It's not just to heal the physical blindness of this man, but it is to heal the spiritual blindness. All right, what does he ask this man? He pulls him aside. And in a personal encounter, when Jesus is able to talk to this man one-on-one, talk to the man by himself, alone, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And Jesus, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answers, who, who is he that I may believe in him? And he says, you have seen him, because right? he just got healed. You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he says, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. And this was the ultimate goal of Jesus. Not just that the man can see and then go about his business, but so that the man could truly recognize the divinity of Jesus Christ. As we pray in our creed, true God and true man. That it is Jesus Christ, that God himself has become man, that God himself dwells among us, that God himself is, is, is walking with us in our life. That God himself journeys with us through our struggles and our difficulties. How often do we think, you know, wow, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through a difficult time. Do I think, well, this is another opportunity for the greatness of God, for the divinity of God to be manifested? Or is it a blame game? Who's the one causing all my problems here? (laughs) Who's the one who needs to be kicked out of my life? Or is this an opportunity for the divinity of Christ to be manifested? An opportunity for me to know and understand who God is in a deeper way. And what it is that he is calling me to do with my life. With the gift of my life. Trusting that the Lord does not grow weary of listening to our prayers, we present our needs to him with confidence. For the church, and especially those preparing to enter the church this Easter, that God will free them from the false values that can blind us, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the world in which we live, that the Lord Jesus may transform our days into an acceptable time of grace, salvation, and peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the spiritually blind, especially those who have strayed from the faith, that the light of Christ will shine in their hearts and minds, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace to profess our faith in the Lord Jesus, even in the face of persecution and ridicule, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Today's Mass is being offered for the people of the parish. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick or infirm and for their caregivers, 
that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Loving Father, we desire to live as your children, as your faithful children, both now and in the life to come. In your mercy, hear and answer our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen.